it's pretty easy for us to be enticed with new. Like a new car. A new home. This is cute. A new job. <laughs> a new trend. A new look. A new you. Nope. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Because our creator seems to be all about new. Like a new promise. A new command. mercies, and even a new year. God not only loves new, but promises to make all things new. And we are invited into the sacred work. with you. All right, well, they say, especially if you have young kids, one of the best types of gifts you can get are the ones with rechargeable batteries and, and like, can share the same cord as something else, right? Um, all right, well, you know, one of the best, the best gifts at the water's edge is our worship band and just how they can pour out every single bit of energy they have and then come back this morning all recharged and just ready to give it their all again. So really thankful for them and just really impressed. Yeah, let's, let's thank them. Well, I'm Jason, and I'm one of the pastors here, specifically to the kids' ministry, and it is one of the greatest pleasures of my life to be able to uh, serve you and your kids and, um, and just create this whole life where our kids get to encounter Jesus and walk with him and have that relationship. And it's extraordinary to see what happens and how it changes, I believe, everything. We believe that. So um, I'm happy to be here this morning. It kind of feels like a big morning, doesn't it? Like, it's kind of exciting. Here we are in the final hours of 2023. Pastor Craig sent out an email and he said, you know, it's 99% over. And I did the math this morning. Siri says it's now 99.5% done. But we are really in the final hours of 2023. And it feels like momentous, right? We're like, all here in the final hours, we're in worship and we're looking over the edge into this brand new year. It kind of feels like we're all here now and tomorrow we're going to take a trip to the moon. Right? I, maybe it's just me, but, um, but it feels like we're there and um, it can be just exciting and talking about like it's new and, and we get to experience that new and God even maybe wants that for us and wants to be a part of that as he says he makes all things new. Um, so how'd you do in 2023? Now this isn't uh, to embarrass anyone or to elevate anyone, but I'm just curious and you can participate online. Just give us a little thumbs up or like a shout out. Like, um, but how many of you here, and you can raise your hand, um, how many of you set a resolution in 2023 and like have actually succeeded in keeping it or reaching it? Just hold, hold your hand really high. Okay, hold it higher than that. All right. Hey, that's pretty good. All right, we got um, a couple. 
That's awesome. All right, we got one over there. Um, cool. Okay, so um, how many of you, though, like, like you, maybe you set a resolution or maybe you didn't and just, like, can't even remember if you did? Can you raise your hand? Yep. All right. Oh, lots more. That's funny. You raised your hand to say you succeeded and now you forgot. Like, that's kind of, that, anyhow, that's you. Uh, yeah, a lot of us are like, ah, I mean, it just gets away from us, doesn't it? Um, I had this moment when I was preparing for this message and I was thinking about resolutions and like, okay, I think I'm going to try and kind of incorporate that for a message today. And then I was like, yeah, well, the problem is I, like, I didn't even set one last year. And it's like, man, how can I preach about this? I didn't even, you know, put that to myself. And so uh, I journal a lot and that's one of my ways of praying and just kind of, well, and it's my, one of my ways of remembering and uh, so I was like, well, may- maybe there's something. I, and so I flipped back to the beginning of 2023, and it turns out I did set a resolution. Woo! I was so excited to see that and bewildered. <laughs> Whose handwriting is this? Looks like mine. Um, and then as I kind of looked over the year, I was like, well, I'll be. I actually met my resolution for the first time in my life, and I didn't even mean to. (laughs) Um, I think there's actually a little bit of the spirit working in this too. That um, that you know, there's there's things that we can aspire to, that um, that God wants to walk with us through and allows us his personal presence, his Holy Spirit to actually guide us and strengthen us in ways that are far beyond our effort that can make this um, a pretty powerful thing that we put into um, to looking at a new year. All right, so a couple more uh, polls here. Again, this is not to embarrass anyone or elevate you, uh, but who here and online here has set a resolution for 2024 or feels like they probably will. He shows it. All right, we're cooking. This is almost like the wave. And like I'm looking and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> all right, that's pretty good. Um, cool. I can't wait to see how that goes for you. Um, how many of us here, though, are like just over it? And we didn't make it last year. We didn't make it last year or the year before that. Or, but yeah, I've got a couple of those. It's okay. You can raise a hand. You're in good company. All right. Cool. Um, so we fall really all along this, but um, you know, one of the things is that um, I'm actually surprised I'm even preaching about this. I mean, before I became kids pastor, I preached every New Year's, and um, you kind of get tired of preaching about it. Like as you preach every angle, it gets a little old. Um, I have a hard time keeping mine. No one else seems to be able to keep their resolution. Um, so maybe we should pick a different topic uh, right around New Year's. But I felt like God was saying, but Jason, like, I, I got something that's new and something that's new for you and something that uh, maybe is new for all of us that could be heard. And I think that's, like, always the best direction to go in and, and what God's putting forward. And um, one of the things I think is true is that um, I talk with my coach about this a lot. He, I have a coach that helps me uh, improve and grow in my leadership and my uh, ministry offering and uh, make me a better staff member as well. And, um, and we talk a lot about setting goals. And the thing is, is that um, if, you, if you don't set a resolution or a goal or put your sights on something, it's really hard to ever get there. And maybe the point isn't even 
to get there, but to even head in that direction. But if we don't set a direction or put a pin in something, it's really hard to give focus to our lives. And so there, I think there is some really powerful um, meaning in us setting this resolution. You know, God didn't, God didn't uh, dev- design the new year. This is our calendar. And, um, you know, God just kind of tracks through harvests and, and planting and things like that. But, um, but I think he's willing to step into that and, and, and walk with us a little bit. Um, but I will say this as we go into this message. Um, it's not always, it's not always uh, a walk in the park. And I think the more important thing is that we assert ourselves to, to be able to do that. Um, this morning, my goal is, if you have set your resolution already, my goal is to maybe uh, upset your basket a little bit. And um, maybe spill some of the apples out and put some new ones in. If you are, like I said, just completely over it, my goal is maybe to change your mind, your heart, and you consider setting some sort of resolution along these guidelines. And my final thing is I invite you to live by God's grace no matter what you do because um, our best intentions don't always work out. Um, you know, even when we were getting ready for Christmas Eve, uh, Pastor Craig, about a week and a half out, kind of huddled us and was like, hey, listen, uh, I know you're going to be with family. I know you're going to see each other and spend some time. But if you can, maybe try not to get sick. <laughs> right? Like, it's kind of a big deal. There's kind of a lot of people. Like, let's all be, like, on deck and put our best selves forward. It's hard to do that if you're sick. So, um, so like, Try not to share silverware, you know, put your name on your cup. Like, if your tradition is, like, kissing cheeks, like, maybe don't do that. Um, so anyhow, so, like, all as a staff, like, we were like, nobody gets sick. Nobody gets sick. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so I was, I was really excited. Like, we got all the way to the 23rd, and I was not sick. I didn't get sick ever, actually. Praise God. It's awesome. That's okay if you want to cheer, or maybe you're jealous. Sorry. Um, but... But this happened instead. So we had some out-of-town friends. Uh, a good high school friend of mine was in town um, from Denver, and they just kind of, the last-minute thing, and they're in their family, and they're like, hey, we're going to drop by. You want to go ice skating? It's like, yeah! So the, my kids have been watching a lot of the Olympics and the, you know, things like that. So uh, without ever even going ice skating, they swore to me that they were Olympic-grade ice skaters. And I was like, well, Maybe let's just go see how it goes. First, you got to like wear skates for the first time and see what it is. So, of course, they get on the ice. This is uh, down downtown here, and like, and they panic. Like, wow, these are slippery. This doesn't make sense. So, um, in my in my good parentingness, I'm like skating backwards behind them, you know, and just like encouraging them, kind of catching them if they slip a little bit. And I'm like, you got this. Now, there's a couple things you should know about this awesome new ice skating rink. It's like the shape of an eight, and it's got a couple little breakout centers where you can just learn to skate in the center. And the whole thing, inside, outside, everywhere, is lined by this beautiful rail. And if you are losing your balance or anything, there is always a rail there for you. Uh, it's, it's beautifully designed. Additionally, it's well-designed. It's going to be there for a long time. Those rails are planted within these big curbs, and like it's cement curbs, and they're going to like, there's no going anywhere. This is going to be there for a long time. The only problem is if you're skating backwards and you're not very good, you just might skate right back into that curb 
And if you don't want to fall on your child, you might kind of do one of these and choose to land on the rail with your rib right there. And it knocked the wind out of me and I was bent over and I was trying to encourage my son that I was okay. And then this 13 year old comes over and he's like, dude, are you okay? And I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. But I was like, did it look awesome? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I was like, did it look like it hurt? And he's like, yeah. Awesome. I think we'll be okay. So after that, my first thought was, I blew it. What if I can't help out with uh, Christmas Eve services tomorrow? I was panicked and, and anyhow, I got over it. Um, and, you know, like the pain subsided and uh, Christmas Eve was awesome. And um, it wasn't until we were in Kansas City with my wife's family and I decided I needed to cough. And I was like, I took this big breath and this was going to like the best cough of 2023. And I did it. And then I fell to my knees. And then I went to the emergency room, got some pictures. Um, and then I couldn't move. It was awesome. Um, so anyhow, today's a little bit of a challenge. I can't laugh or move or talk or breathe or it hurts. Uh, but anyhow, the, the whole point is, is that this is that, um, you know, we set goals. And we make every best intention that we have. And we, uh, we try our best. But sometimes things just are out of our control. Um, or things come up that we're not expecting. I think everyone expected me to fall that day. But anyhow, um, there's grace. And we get through it. And yet God's wanting us to walk into it. So there are two moments in uh, Scripture that I think really point to, paint a really clear picture for us this morning about, about what we could be invited to, into setting our sights out into the future and, and what those sights might look like, what direction they are. So the first one, both of these stories are pretty well known. Uh, the first one's really well known, and you're going to wonder if I lost my creativity, but um, we're going we're gonna to lean into it a little bit. Um, and the second one, uh, you probably haven't heard as much about. But, um, so here's Jesus. We're looking at my, Mark's gospel. This is chapter two this morning. And you don't have to show that yet. We'll get to that on this, on this, this slide. But um, Jesus has just started out. And he, uh, you know, he goes into Capernaum. So Capernaum's kind of home base, and that's where disciples are. That's where Peter's home probably was. And they went there, but, and Jesus started teaching, and it was awesome, and yet he started stirring some feathers, or ruffling some feathers, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> and so he's like, okay, we got to get out of here. So he goes down to Galilee. They hang out. They do some cool stuff. Jesus ruffles a couple more feathers, and in, in addition to doing some cool things, they hang out in what Mark says is the outskirts. So people are kind of coming to him. And then Jesus is like, all right, let's go back to Compertum. We need a fresh set of clothes and uh, let's regroup here. So they go in. And what we believe is this is Peter's house. Now, if you've watched The Chosen, it's in someone else's house. But uh, we actually believe it was probably Peter's house that this happened. But Jesus enters in and immediately people start flocking towards him. Most markedly, the religious teachers uh, what they're coined as. And so they're crowding in and they want to hear this guy. A little bit hard to keep tabs on. And he's here. We want to see if he's the real deal or what in the world's going on here. So they crowd in around Jesus. He's teaching. And then this happens. This is John, uh, Mark's gospel, chapter two. And we'll start in verse two. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. 
They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowds, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the, mat on, the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Then, seeing their faith, Jesus looked at the friends, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, there are three dots here that's called an ellipses. That means there's something left out. You can go read it. I promise I'm not hiding anything. I want you to have a different focus this morning. So, we skip forward a little bit. Jesus kind of wrestles with the religious teachers a little bit and kind of helps them see who he really is. And then he's like, well, I can forgive sins and I can tell this guy to walk. And so he says, verse 11, he turns to the paralyzed man and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And there was just like awe and amazement. So here's, here's what's going on. There is a really important lesson in there about the tension that's between Jesus and the religious teachers and like the new gospel that Jesus is bringing and how it contrasts the old and, and all of that. But in addition, there's a second lesson that Jesus is putting in here that I think is really important to pick up on is that when Jesus sees the man being lowered down, it says that he looks at his friends and because of their faith, because of their faith, he healed this man and said, your sins are forgiven and you can get up and walk out of here. You're free. So the guy in the mat probably didn't set a New Year's resolution. Like, that wasn't a thing back then, right? But imagine if he would have. Imagine if his New Year's resolution was that he was this was going to be the year that he was going to walk again. Now imagine how in the world could he even begin to make that possible? Especially in that context, if you can't move your body and you can't work, you don't have income. This man's friends bought him, brought him, so there's an indication that even his family isn't really in the picture. So this guy doesn't have a lot of resources to say, okay, I'm going to go to the best doctors and physicians in this area. He has no resources. Additionally, no matter how much you positively think, no matter how much this guy positively thought that someday he would walk again, it just wasn't going to happen. But look at the friends. What if they set a New Year's resolution? All four of them and they said, hey, this is going to be the year that we're going to get, we'll call him John, John to walk again. Let's do this. Like whatever we can, let's get him to walk again. And look what happens. There's this chance offer opportunity that this healer is in town and they're like, let's go for it. Now you can tell that there is some actual intention around this. This isn't just like, hey, should we go get a guy who can't walk and, you know, like see if uh, Jesus will do it? You know, like um, this took some planning out. This took some forethought, some intentionality, because um, if you're in your living room, you and some friends, and you hear some commotion that sounds like someone is busting through the top of your roof, what's the first thing that you would do? I'm hoping your answer is that you would run out of the room and be like, hey, you can't do that. Right? Like, the adjuster will never take that as hail. 
right? Like, like you would try to stop it. Like, it's cool. You can come in the doors. It's crowded here, but we'll make room for you. Like, there were even steps leading up to Peter's roof. So we know that they could have run out, but these friends had a plan. Because they were able to get up on the roof quickly enough and get through this thick covering of, of, of um, mud and straw and, and branches and get through the roof in time before anyone could even call them up and say, hey, no, you can come through the front door. Promise you, we'll make room. Like, it was fast. They were ready. They had the tools. This was something that they intended to do. Maybe not exactly that, but they were, they were prepared. See what happens when, the, when a group of people assert themselves to something and when it has nothing to do with themselves. So we'll fast forward a little bit. Second story. Jesus is ending, uh, he's, he's reaching the end of his ministry. This is John's gospel now uh, out of chapter 19. And Jesus has, in fact, already been crucified. He's gone through so many of these horrific events that were foretold and he experienced to the full depth of things. And, and he's, so he's on the cross and he's standing and he's looking at the disciples and those uh, who were left, those who hadn't already fled or um, gone their own ways. And he's, he's standing there and he's just like, he's, he said all these things and it's, it's amazing though what he doesn't say. And we get this in verse 26 and 7 of John's gospel, chapter 19. And it just says, when he saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, which we believe is John who wrote this gospel, um, he said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And then he said to the disciple, here's your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. See, there's an important lesson as we begin to look into this. And I think even spending a day on just asking yourself all the things that Jesus could have, maybe should have said, will be more likely to think about what he did say. Right? Like he, wouldn't, he didn't say to the disciples that were still there, hey, um, now's the time. It's like plan Eskimo, like in, in effect, like he didn't say uh, like, hey, go get the others that fled, regroup. He didn't say, hey, get right this down. This is really important. No next step, task, things like that. Instead, one of the final things that he said to one of the disciples that played a key role, care for this woman. Care for someone other than yourself. It's beautiful. You see, in these two events, one as Jesus enters into his ministry and one as Jesus enters out, exits out of his ministry, that give us an insight to what exactly Jesus' ministry and the gospel is all about and what we are invited into. As Jesus entered in, most people who heard he was there were excited to go and see what he could do for them, to heal them, set them free, give them new life. The four friends came seeing what he could do for their friend and how they could be a part of making that friend's life better. As Jesus is looking down in the final hours of his life, it wasn't about the next thing to do 
or the task, first task to accomplish. It was instead about who to love and who to care for. So I believe that the greatest work that can be done in light of the gospel is the pursuit of someone else's well-being. And I think Jesus is trying to imprint this on us, it, you know, kind of bookending this whole ministry that the greatest pursuit, the greatest pursuit of the gospel is the pursuit of someone else's well-being. This is what it's all about. So as we're looking at these resolutions, or we don't even have to call it a resolution, we can simply just call it like this, this moment, whenever it is, where we are invited to uh, maybe set our sights for a different way or something new in our lives, um, whenever and in whatever direction it might be, that we follow some of these lessons. And I want to offer these, these two truths this morning. The first one, and, and this, is, this is not intended to be um, like a, like a, to make you feel bad, but it's, it's actually encouraged, it's made to make you feel encouraged about the potential. So the first thing that we see in this is that you'll never be as important to yourself as you could be to others. And I put the word could in there because we all have the opportunity or the option to kind of hole up or just to point inward and only focus on ourselves. But if you think about it, you are a limited resource to yourself. There's only so much you can do to bring health or betterness or healing or improvement into your own life. The man who was laying on a mat paralyzed could do very little. But the impact, the importance that each of us can have and do have in someone else's, many other people's lives, there's no end to it. How important you are, how much people rely on you or count on you. You mean a lot to them. When you're gone, you won't miss yourself. But if you were, others would miss you. There would be a hole that you once filled. There is only so much importance that you can have compared to that of the importance others can see in you. The second truth is that you'll never be as important to yourself as others could be to you. Again, the word could is in there because we all have the option to hold up and, and not receive or um, allow others to help us, to walk with us. But in our limitedness, the caring and the support of others, the presence of others means infinitely more. And we see that. We see that all the way through the gospel and even in, especially in the beginning and the end. That the greatest work that can be done in light of the gospel is that which is in pursuit of someone else's well-being. So now our resolutions, or whatever it is that you aspire to do in the new year. Um, perhaps now I've finally convinced you, like it was just barely a good enough sermon, but you're like, okay, okay, I'll go with it. Um, my goal isn't to, uh, if you've got some really great goals already, um, my goal is not to say, hey, that's wrong and that you should kick that out and take what I say. But um, my invitation is that perhaps 
um, you see the value in, in adding that or perhaps even elevating that above some of the other resolutions that you've set. But here's some guidelines for how this might work how this might work best, how this might actually follow the gospel and the examples that Jesus uh, portrayed and then the lessons that he set within. One is impact. Does your resolution impact others? Will it change the lives of others or, hope, or just yours? What sort of impact can it make? Now, guide number two, uh, there's a lot of overlap between these, but I wanted to tease them out because I wanted to put some points in here, is benefit. Who will your resolutions, your goals, or where you want to point to in the new year, who's that going to benefit? Probably one of the best ways to figure out what might be fitting in this is to actually ask, what do those around you wish might be able to grow or change in you? What might others want from you or need from you or, or hope could change or grow? I don't know if my kids need a slimmer dad, but they might benefit from having a more present or patient or less rushed dad. What sort of... What sort of um, Resolutions, what sort of things can we point towards that might actually benefit and bring impact to those around us, to the well-being of someone else? Now, I know a couple of you are probably a little disappointed. I have let some of the air out of your balloon, whatever it is that you maybe have already set into motion. Um, But I found this really cool quote, and I just wanted to share this because I think it provides clarity for really what can have the most momentum in our lives as we push forward into a new year. And this is from um, a well-known theologian or or somewhat wisdom writer, and he just said, this is from Gandhi, and he says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. So as to say that um, maybe it's not all over. Maybe at the end of all of this, as we assert ourselves towards the well-being of others, that we actually find health and growth in our own lives. Now, if you're wondering, you're like, well, I mean, Gandhi, we don't really, you know, that's, that. I, I kind of think that this is extrapolated from Jesus' own teachings. Listen to this. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, he talks about this seed. And he says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for this life in this world will keep it for eternity. So as to say, sometimes our greatest growth, the greatest um, things that we can achieve are at the other end of not pursuing those things, but instead pursuing and giving and letting go and letting our lives be used for the good of um, someone else's. Because I think what happens at the end as we point ourselves to others is this. Let the change, the growth, and the health that, uh, that you'll begin to see in yourself after becoming better for others, will have no comparisons and will last far beyond the stretch of just a year 
and everyone else is better off too. Isn't that awesome? Now, this isn't people pleasing. This is people loving. And there's a difference in there. It's not to win their approval. It is simply to approve them with your love. Also, uh, someone might say, you know, well, um, you can't really, you know, pour into others until you get healthy for yourself. And, and this is different. This is, you know, self-care does need to come first. But self-care comes first, and, but not self-improvement. So to care for yourself. Put your own oxygen mask on and then go and put others first. Improve their lives uh, or improve something about your life that will benefit others. So we're going to wrap this up, and uh, I just wanted to review a little bit here, give you some encouragement to go home and and explore this a little bit. But the first uh, question I just want to invite you to ask is, one, what change in me that others, what what could change in me that others are most needing or hoping for? What is that about your life? Maybe you even need to ask, what could change? You, You might be surprised by the answer. Number two is what could change in what change in me could impact or benefit others most? As a whole new way to look at resolutions and goals for the future. How could this be impactful and beneficial? Number three, I want to invite you. Uh, sometimes you know we keep things really private, but um, private does very little good. It actually deflates uh, goals really quickly. Um, you can keep it personal. Maybe it's it's probably personal. But to, uh, to find someone or a couple someones that you can uh, trust and that can uh, gently encourage you, even hold you accountable. Number four, keep it free from ulterior motives or hidden agendas. If this is ultimately still for your own improvement, your own self-betterment, uh, it probably is not going to have the same momentum and, and have the same uh, spiritual impact as just letting it be for someone else. And finally, uh, write it down. Write it somewhere. Write it in your phone, in your journal. If you think you can find your journal by the end of your year. Um, but to let it be something that, that you've put down somewhere. Maybe it's on a mirror or uh, somewhere that, uh, that, it's, that it's something that it reminds you of. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for um, each day that you give us. We are grateful for how you walk with us. You offer grace as we, as we plod along. You offer us encouragement as sometimes we feel like we've fallen flat. And you are the wind beneath our sails as we, as we grow in who you are and the example that you've set. As we look towards this new year, we pray that you will walk with us, that you will give us Um, clarity to see what it is that we might uh, be able to pursue. What in us might change for the greatest benefit of others. What could we, um, an area that we could move into that could bring healing uh, to relationships. We pray that you will strengthen us and help us along that way and allow it to be a journey that truly um, has impact over this next year and um, makes lives better. So Lord, we thank you. Uh, We pray for safe celebrations tonight 
and um, look forward to you being right there every step of our way. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We have a tradition here, and I don't preach enough to remember this, but as we go forward into the new year, I invite us all to just join as one church and one voice and to, uh, to pray uh, to God in the prayer that he taught us to, to pray. Words on the screen here by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, 2023 for many of us has been the best year ever. For others, 2024 can't come fast enough. What would it look like if we go into 2024 looking at people through the eyes of Jesus, serving him with his hands, walking closer to him in every day that we walk. Our hope and prayer this day as you go out into the new year is that you take that hope and that grace and that love with you. Have a great year. We'll see you next year at the water's edge.